0: Welcome to the podcast of WISER, Women in Surgery at the Emory Residencies, where we share the careers and life stories of Emory surgeons across all specialties to recognize the diverse achievements happening right here at our own institution. All right. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the WISER podcast. This is Sandy Hobson. I am a PGY-5 resident in orthopedic surgery at Emory University, and I'm here with our medical student, Emily Allard Phillips and Dr. Diane Payne.
1: Dr. Payne completed her medical training at the University of Kansas School of Medicine before attending an orthopedic surgery residency at Duke University. She stayed at Duke University to complete her fellowship in hand and microvascular surgery. From there, she headed to North Hawaii Community Hospital, where she was chief of surgery from 2011 to 2013. Since 2013, Dr. Payne has been with Emory as an orthopedic trauma surgeon, hand and microvascular surgeon, and the director of hand trauma for the Grady Health System. So... First off, I feel like we always like to ask how one got interested in medicine, but I guess for you it's a little different because medicine wasn't your first career. Mm -hmm. So how did you shift from your first career to medicine?
2: Well, I was on a fast track to medical school in college and was a week away from taking my MCATs and got cold feet. And I was really not ready to commit to the life of a physician at that point in time. And so I, t- I just took a step back and started thinking about what I really wanted. And so I decided to, to go to, my, to, to physical therapy school instead. Because I felt like with physical therapy, I could still help people, I could still be involved in medicine and, and um, be active in my role on a daily basis. In terms of not sitting behind a desk, you know, just doing more of, an, of a kind of an active professional life. So I applied to PT school, went to PT school, but the day I graduated from PT school, knew that I was going to go back to medical school at some point because while I enjoyed PT school, it just wasn't enough. It just didn't feel like it was. Um, it wasn't giving me the satisfaction that I knew that I was looking for. That makes sense. So I practiced um, for five years as a physical therapist. And in that five years, started in an acute um, setting in the hospital and then moved to the outpatient world doing outpatient orthopedic rehab, so lots of ACLs, lots of foot and ankle stuff, lots of running mechanics, pelvic asymmetry, you know, all that good stuff. And worked with some really brilliant therapists, but I always felt like I kept like looking for, okay, what's next? Like, I, this is, I like this, this is fun, I feel like I've mastered this, what's next? And so finally I realized, you know, what was next for me was to, was I was ready to go to medical school. So I, I took that plunge a little bit later.
0: That's such a great story, and I feel like that's a decision many, many people are facing, where they're interested in going to medical school, but they're also weighing it against other things that they love or other things that they may be interested in. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that you talk other people through how you made that decision?
2: Well, I think you, you really have to listen to your true self and what it is that your true self is telling you that you need to be. And for me, you know, it was the support of my family, my husband who really was like you know it's okay you can do this and if you want to do this do it I will support you through that and so that made a huge difference for me I think if I were if I did not have the support of my my family kind of helping to to encourage me to take that next step it would have been really hard for me so I think having a a mentor or somebody that you can lean on to talk to and say you know I really feel like this is where I need to go and if I don't try this try to do this i will regret it and you need somebody who's really going to support you to to do that so whether it's a spouse whether it's a you know a best friend whether it's a parent a sibling you know whoever it is you need that person to kind of help push you along
1: Sometimes. i love it mm-hmm. and you're talking about how even as you started early on in your physical therapy career you knew you'd go back to medicine did you know specifically you'd go back to surgery or orthopedics for that matter? Or did you kind of learn that throughout physical therapy?
2: I did. I knew that's what I would become. But I tried to go to medical school with a, with an open mind, thinking there there's this whole breadth of medicine that I haven't experienced outside of the world of rehab medicine or orthopedics or therapy. And so I, I really tried to embrace that. And going back to medical school, I was 30 when I went back. And so I think, when you have a little bit of life experience behind you, you you see things or look at things just a little bit differently through a little bit different lens. And I loved medical school. I loved everything about it. It was like physiology, yeah, bring it on. I want to learn all this. And I, just, I was just like soaking it in because it was what I really wanted to do. And I had had the opportunity to play and kind of, you know, do this and <laughs> travel and, you know, do all that fun stuff. So this was like my chance to be like, yes, this is... This is what I want to do. And so through my clerkships, I tried to really picture whether or not I could see myself doing these different things. And so OBGYN spoke to me a little bit. Actually, Gynonk was what I was interested in because of the surgery part of it. Pulmonary critical care I thought about for about two weeks (laughs) because I liked being in the unit and taking care of sick people. But I couldn't stand phlegm. (laughs) <laughs> and every that would be a problem. <laughs> it got to me, I just wanted to vomit, and I just couldn't deal with that, so that fell off the plate. And then I did my orthopedic rotation. And I, w- I, w- I was home, you know, and I just felt like, yeah, this is this is where I belong.
1: And then I guess even further along your career, how did you decide that you wanted to specialize or have your fellowship in hand in trauma?
2: That was a harder decision because I liked so many different parts of orthopedics. The obvious channel for me was uh, sports medicine because of my PT background, but I just didn't feel like that would be the best place for me with my personality and dealing with entitled athletes. I just didn't <laughs> picture myself there. So that,
0: They that can be of, a tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, so
2: that kind of took that out how it played. Um, I really liked oncology and I really like pediatrics, but I just didn't feel like, I thought it would break my heart if I went into that because I just take things too personally and I I, um, I didn't feel like I would be able to leave that at work and so I thought I would struggle with that a little bit. Um, so it really kind of came down to spine and hand for me because I really like the intricate nature of the surgery and I really felt like you were really making people better in those two specialties and I originally actually was going to do a spine fellowship, and had signed up to do that. And I think <clears throat> what pushed me there was one of my chief residents who was one of my mentors through residency, was a spine surgeon. And so you tend to gravitate towards those people that you feel support you and that you feel like you can trust and become you know mentors and friends. So I gravitated in that direction, had fellowship all set up, and then had my second child and had a change of heart, because I just realized that I didn't think I could pull off spine surgery as well with my kids, and I really didn't feel like I had the patience for the patients, if that makes sense. And so I then gravitated back towards hand, which I was also interested in,
0: because that seemed to be a better fit. Absolutely. So... Not a lot of women have had the chance to have kids during residency. Mm -hmm. Can you talk us through how that was for you?
2: It was a challenge. It Mm was, um, I remember telling my chairman that I was pregnant, and his first question was whether or not I took birth control. And, of course, I said to him, you know, I'm 38 years old, and my eggs are old, and I'm sorry if this doesn't fit your timeline, but it fits mine. And there you Mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I do. I plan this very, very thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. And I I literally planned to get pregnant at the exact time where I would be in what was called our, um, our research month. We had three months to do research as a resident. And I literally, like, did the math backwards. Okay, I have to get pregnant this week. And, you know, I was lucky. But, you know, I was... I actually had a class of 3 women out of 8 residents which was very which was a very diverse class for Duke. And my one of my co-residents and I were the first two who had been pregnant in that program. And so it was it was a little bit of a tough road to travel because not many people had done it before and there was An absolute expectation of, you know, there there will be no sympathy, there will be no resting on the couch, there will be no extra water, you know. It's like you're going to pull your weight just like everybody else does, and I expected that of myself because I knew if I didn't do that, that there would be repercussions for every every woman that followed me in that program. It was stressful. It was stressful, and you know, even though you don't necessarily feel very good and you're pretty tired, you just Strap it on and um,
1: keep going. So it seems kind of with that story, how you said you wanted to kind of blaze the trail for women following behind you, Mm -hmm. not just yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just through other programs you have, like the Perry Initiative, that you do find mentorship important. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for any student, but maybe women in particular, that are considering surgery or more specifically orthopedics?
2: Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. And there will, there will be a lot of people who tell you you can't do it for various reasons. Um, be it that you have breasts, be it that you're small in stature, or you're not strong enough, or you know you don't have enough willpower, and um, they don't know what they're talking about. I had a number of people tell me that when I said I'm going into orthopedics. My dean of students, who I respected probably more than anybody at the University of Kansas, pulled me into his office and told me I was making a huge mistake, which made me want to do it even more, just to prove (laughs) him wrong. But I think there's this unfortunate aura about orthopedics that it's it's just for the jocks and it's just for the guys. And that's so not true because personally I think we provide better care because we're more empathetic. And it's not about strength, it's about leverage. You know, if you understand physics, you can figure
0: out how to do it. I know when I'm the chief at Grady, the residents work extra hard to get their reductions in the ER before calling me because apparently I have a reputation and they don't want the little blonde girl coming down to get their reduction when they couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I totally agree. It doesn't matter your size. It matters if you understand physiology, mechanics, and the nature of what's going on with the patient.
1: That's exactly right. Then you also mentioned how you had support from your husband when deciding to pursue mm-hmm. going to medical school, and then you mentioned your chief resident was one of your mentors. What other mentors did you have throughout your, I guess, surgical residency or even choosing beforehand that supported you as opposed to the one who told you you couldn't?
2: You know, I have to say my uh, my mother-in-law, I think was a very big influence on me. My father-in-law is a neurosurgeon, and my mother-in-law is a lawyer. And I came from a family that, so my mom was a school teacher and my dad worked for the federal government, mm-hmm. and um, you know they would never have dreamed that I would have wanted to have gone and been an orthopedic surgeon, and would have never supported me to have done that, because my role as a woman was to be at home, and to have kids, and support my husband, and make sure I had dinner on the table, because that's the household that I grew up in that was kind of the expectation mm-hmm. and so when I met my husband's parent my husband's parents I was quite taken by the fact that here is a incredibly successful professional woman who has figured out how to manage this um, this career and her, and her husband as a surgeon with two kids and they've figured out how to make all this work and so I you know I took a step back looking at that thinking well I can do that Right, and so they were very supportive in, in letting me know it's okay to do that. If that's really what you want to do, you find ways to to help yourself make it through. And I think having her influence really was what made me say, okay, I can I can make this happen.
1: Thanks for listening to part one of Dr. Payne's episode. Tune in to part two to hear about her research endeavors including the pivot trial at Grady Hospital.